Hello, I am Sherry Tucker, attorney, founder, and owner of Tucker Legal Services in St. Louis, Missouri. I'm an elder law estate planning attorney. Today, my guest panelist is McKinney Anawasi with Down Syndrome Association, Greater St. Louis. She is the adult services coordinator and works with Down Syndrome children transitioning into adulthood. So one of the issues that uh, we both feel is important is to inform parents about powers of attorney versus the question of legal guardianship and conservatorship for their child transitioning into adulthood with the intellectual disability. So we're going to talk about um, durable health care and financial powers of attorney, which is an important issue as the children transition into adulthood and also are transitioning out of the public school system. So I would like to cover the legal issues that parents and children with disabilities face. And I've asked McKinney to be here to explain what she sees with parents and uh, their children who are aging into adulthood and of uh, the challenges that are happening in the family and also some of the advice that families are given as the children are aging out of the school system. The first part, uh, I'm going to start a little bit with um, a need that happens when, when a person turns 18 and that's powers of attorney. And then I'm going to turn it over to McKinney to talk about the transitioning to adulthood. And I'm going to come back in and explain uh, the difference between what is an ABLE account with the state, what is a special needs trust, and what kind of special needs trust are there out there, and why are they important when you have a, a child with a disability, even a family member with a disability. And then we'll just do some Q&A. Um, and if you have questions, if I say something or McKinney says, says something that triggers a question, feel free, just go ahead, ask the question, and, and we'll get it answered. So it's more, I don't want to just sit here and talk. Yeah, okay. All right. All right, so I'm going to start with powers of attorney. Uh, there are two uh, powers of attorney and then an advanced health directive. And when a person turns 18, the parent really no longer has a, a legal responsibility or ability to act on the 18-year-old's behalf because an 18-year-old is considered an adult. So we see these powers of attorney for financial, health, and then an advanced health care directive. So the difference is um, for for a person with a disability turning 18, right, and um, a, a person without a disability is very similar to our senior citizens in elder law. They need more protection. And uh, they, they may need to give a person broader powers. So for a financial power of attorney, you would have a, a person we call them an attorney in fact, and you may know them as an agent, okay? But that person can step in the shoes when there's incapacity, not per se mental incapacity, but legal incapacity. 
So there's a difference, and I, I can go into that. So the person steps into the shoes and acts on the behalf. And you can have it where springs, and sometimes in seniors we say, okay, you don't have to go into effect now, but you can have it if you're going to have an incapacity. Um, you know, if there's going to be incapacity or there's mental decline, you go ahead and put it into force. Spouses, it's always automatic unless you have a spouse that says, I don't want it to be automatic. And then we turn it into a springing. Well, how is this different for the 18-year-old who has a disability? Not a physical disability, but an intellectual disability. So it's really, um, it's really a conversation to have with an attorney with the aging into adulthood 18-year-old plus that has the intellectual disability. Does the person understand what is going on in the conversation and what the document is? And I can say that this is hard for parents to deal with because the parents know the, the child and the child going in to adulthood, but they also see the child as the child mm -hmm. rather than the one transcending, transitioning into adulthood. And they know the IQ. I hear that. Well, this is the IQ. Okay, at some point, yes, there is an IQ where the, where the aging into adulthood is not going to have legal capacity. But I have done powers of attorney for um, the adult with Down syndrome that is able to answer my questions. Do you understand this document, financial? And I can tell you that I get, yes, I am my own guardian now. Let's be clear. And they're like, let's be clear. I am my own guardian. I decide what TV shows I watch. I decide I'm going to have a job. I decide that I have money. Now, does that mean they know how much money he or she has? No. Do they have a full concept of money? No. But they do have an understanding of what they want as an adult and that they are earning money. And believe it or not, they do understand that they don't know how much money they can't keep track. And that comes out in my questions. And I say, well, sounds like we need this financial power of attorney to help you with your finances, not to take over, but to help you. And it's like a click and it's like, okay, all right. So I do powers of attorney. If the person in front of me, not the mom, not the dad, not the family member, but the person in front of me understands and I can ask questions and they can tell me back, what is it for, right? So if there's legal capacity, the person aging into adulthood with an intellectual disability can have a financial power of attorney. Are they going to get a full gamut one? It really depends. Do they have as much as a senior citizen? Normally, no. I bet they do have online Facebook social media accounts, though. And I know that I have a very good friend. His big thing is music and books online. And he has accounts. And those are digital assets. And a power of attorney needs to be able to step in if something happens. And not only 
you know, maybe close them if the person is, um, dies or if there's issues that come up and there needs to be some guidance on payment, etc. Okay, so that's a financial, that falls under a financial power of attorney. Bank account falls under a financial power of attorney as well. So there's some things that are needed um, as the financial power of attorney with the aging into adulthood person with a disability. Well, now let's talk health care. Right? Health care, there's a, a presumption of, uh, of a spouse being able to make health care decisions. May not always occur, but there's a presumption. There's a presumption with the parent but you should have that power of attorney for the person who has the legal capacity to sign. I can tell you though, that the advanced health directive, I have not been able to do with a person with intellectual disability because the concept of death is not there, all right? So they're not going to have, usually if they do not have an understanding of it, I cannot do an advanced health care for that person. But we can do the health care power of attorney that allows a person to step in the shoes and make those decisions. So those two documents, when the person is 18, are very important to have. The other thing about these powers of attorney, why they're so important, is that without them, the parents or family member must go to court and seek out guardianship and conservatorship. Now, guardianship is over the person. Conservatorship is over the property, the financial. Okay. So when you have um, this issue of guardianship and conservatorship, it used to be that that person lost all rights, the right to vote, the right to marry. Everything was under the, the guardian and conservatorship. Okay. The other issue that comes around is that with conservatorship, the parent is always forced every year to do an accounting. And if you do not do an accounting, you can run into problems and lose conservatorship to the state. So the state can step in and take over if they feel like it's, you know, the assets aren't being taken care of or if the person isn't being taken care of. So the other, you know, it's, it's just a, a really um, difficult situation when you have the transitioning into adulthood. It's like with any parent, a release of, of parental legal responsibility, but that doesn't take away the the, relief, the uh, parental love that we have, and also the the fear about the future for the person. You know, um, many I've had clients come, and they just want to turn over guardianship or conservatorship to a family member. Well. You can't do that. It requires the court. So you're now you're back in court again, all right? The powers of attorney, you have the attorney in fact, and you have a successor. 
So you're trying to stay out of the court system as much as possible if there's legal capacity to do so, all right? But it also means that you are giving the adult more independence in thinking. And that, that's, that's scary when you're a parent who has this child with a disability that you have watched grow and struggle with, with life issues and you want to protect. I mean, as all, every parent wants to protect a child, we want to protect. And then when you look at the, the one with the disability, there is more vulnerability there. So we have that more um, uh, bear, <laughs> mother bear uh, protection that we want to do. So the powers of attorney is a letting go in some ways, but not fully because you can be the power of attorney and you can have the family member as a successor and you're still guiding because there is a lack of, of a lot of understanding in different areas. So you're still guiding, but you're also giving a sense of independence. So I know that powers of attorney versus guardianship and conservatorship, they're, they're, you know, there are parents who get very concerned because they want to go and have and, and go to court and have that, that full conservatorship. The other thing to think about is you have to keep the least restrictive environment. That's the law now. And like it or not, that person with a disability may have the right to marry. It is not up to the guardian anymore and may be able to vote. So when I say this, what I'm, I'm saying is the person with the disability may petition the court to marry. Uh, that is their right, his or her right. And if the parent is the guardian, keeps or does not allow the exercise of that right, there could be future legal issues down the road. So then you must ask yourself, well, why am I really being the guardian or the conservator, you know, when, when I'm not going to be able to fully control the life of my child with a disability? So that's a question. You know, if you could give the independence today, would you? So that's my very, very brief spill of powers of attorney and thinking about issues for the aging into adulthood. So with that, I would like to turn it over to McKinney, uh, who can talk with you about the issues she sees, the life issues for uh, Down syndrome and those with intellectual disabilities transitioning into adulthood. Okay, McKinney, take it away. And maybe you can address what parents face as their child is turning 18 and they are in the school system as well. Okay, um, just briefly, uh, aging into adulthood, which is your son has already done it and, you've, and what they do and you're going to go through it because it happens. It's somewhere between 16 and 18, they grab families and they say to you, you know, 
You need to have guardianship because the day after he turns 18, if he walks outside and something happens to him, then if anything happens to him, then you don't know what to do because they're going to ask him, they're not going to ask you, and there's nothing that you can do about it because that's there. And I'm sure that that's exactly what they did because that's exactly what they still do. Mm -hmm. Even with the whole person-centric thing going on now, they still do it as special school districts in the county. As much as they say they don't do it, they will tell you privately. Yeah, that's because it's easier for them if you have guardianship versus all this power of attorney and this and that and the other, and you want your child to be involved in this, not so much. All they want to be able to do is say, this is what we have your child to do and I just need a signature on it come on you you dad come on and write it down so what we say is that everybody needs a chance to have the quality of life that you or I have we were all given that opportunity sometime a long long time ago and that's what we want for our young adults as they get older Believe it or not, I'm not saying anything bad about special school district because they are wonderful teachers and wonderful administrators and people who really think that this pro-person-centered movement is going on is a wonderful thing, but they don't have time enough to sit down and really get into the weeds with it. All they want to do is be able to say, you're 18 now and we got to get you moving through. Are you going to go this way? Like in the game of life, do you go to work? Do you go to some other kind of training program? Do you stay in and get some uh, some continued education until you're 21? What goes on as you're moving forward? That's all they want. They're, they're not being mean, but they've got a whole bunch of people coming in behind you, so they've got to do this. And the one thing that I have learned in the last few years is that we have to stop, take some deep breaths and say, again, what is it that I want for my child? What do I see in five years, in 10 years, 20 years? And when I'm gone, what have I set up so that that young adult who's going to be an older adult is taken care of? Whether they have Down syndrome, autism, whether they are legally blind, whether they are deaf, whatever is going on, we, the adults then, that are the parents, that are the guardians, and I say guardians in quote marks, we are the ones that have to set it up. We have to be able to take our time, take some deep breaths and say, hey, what is it that we want? Which leads me to num number one kind of thing is that we all need to sit down and have a letter of intent for what we want for our children to have when we're gone. There's a woman that is, um, she is a, on, she used to be on the board of directors with the Down Syndrome Association. She is the most organized human being that I have ever met in the whole, in my whole life. She has a binder for everything that her son has ever done, will ever do. She, in her binder, she has everything from copies of his birth certificate, social security, everything that you would think that you would need, all the way down to what kind of candy does he like? What do they do? They go to Disney World twice a year. So when they set up their special needs trust, 
that's in that special needs trust. But what they also have is in this letter of intent, which I understand is not a legal document, but it's to say that so when we're gone, if our daughter or our son or the cousin is going to be the person that is going to be assisting this young adult, it lets them know, hey, they're going to be wanting to go to Disney. And why do they want to go? to? Because they've gone to Disney every year since they were 10 years old. A letter of intent is something that that is a, a, it can be a pretty detailed document, or it can be a document that just goes like, you know, these are the fundamental kind of things. And these are some of the things that I think that my young adult is doing and would like to do as they go on. And these are the people that we would like them to take care of them when we're not here. Or again, it could be like this woman who is very, very organized. You can have binders upon binders upon binders, which is a very interesting thing. Uh, letters of intent just say, I'm stopping, I'm looking, and this is what that I want. When can you write a letter of intent? You can write a letter of intent now. You can write a letter of intent at 35. You can write a letter of intent at any time, but the letter of intent is a living document. So from time you will go back and you will look at that letter of intent and say, you know, hmm, we're not going to Disney anymore. We're doing something else. So you want to continue. But it also, especially if you start real early, it gives whomever is going to take over down the line, it gives them a really good idea of who your adult child really is. And if I, I tell parents, if there isn't anything, if, you, if you're scared of power of attorney, if you're scared of guardianship, at least write this out. At least it's something that someone can look at and say, hmm, okay. But in addition to that, you still have to get on the stick and do something. Uh, we have, uh, there is a woman that, uh, I, that comes to the Down Syndrome Association Silver Steps, that is the active aging support group. And she came in and we were all sitting around talking and she has a stepdaughter who's 42 years old and uh, the mom died when she was 10 and the father died when she was, I think she was 16. And so she's only known the stepmom. And so the daughter, the stepdaughter got sick and had to go to the doctor. And she, when the, uh, when the stepmom came in, she saw she had band-aids all up her arm and she was, what was going on? She said, well, she went to the doctor and she said, why? And she was like, oh, well, I didn't feel well. And they went, so she lives in a residential facility. They did not call them the stepmother because there was no reason because she's her own guardian. The nurses and doctors did not talk to them that she just signed off on everything. And so the stepmother did not know. So happened there was a very nice woman that one of the attendants there and she sat her down and told her what had happened. And that was fine, but you're not always going to find that. 
In fact, my understanding is she really wasn't supposed to do that. She could have probably lost her job because that was not the legal thing that she was supposed to do. So stepmom kept saying, well, I don't know if I should have court. What should I do? So we finally, the other parents talked her into getting at least power of attorney. She got on her uh, HIPAA form finally, so at least she could get information. But prior to that point, the young adult had never been sick. Everything was okay. Within that time period, even before, after that, um, that going to the hospital and before she got the power of attorney, the young woman fell and broke her hip. And so she had to go into rehab. Now this story was really scary because when she went to rehab, um, they, she, they let her eat whatever she wanted to eat. She had diabetes. So one day stepmom came in and girl raised up her stomach and she had bruises all on her stomach. So first thing, you know, so well, what in the world happened? And she said, I take a shot now. And she said, you take a shot. And so she said, yeah, they said I have to take a shot. So her blood sugar was ever more rising because she was eating whatever she wanted. So when stepmother went to the administrators, they said, well, we let him choose because she can. And so eventually the, the stepmother kind of talked everybody through this whole thing because the one thing that she found out is that if she stayed on insulin, she could not go back to the residential facility because nobody could give her insulin there. She was on metformin, the pill, but they would not, they could not give her the shots. So they figured it all out there, but it was Five weeks, she said, of just, she didn't know what to do. She literally had to be there at every meal to make sure that she was getting what she was supposed to get. So, of course, this rushed them in. She very quickly got the medical power of attorney. So, kind of a crazy story, but just something for people to begin to think about is that anything can happen at any point in time. And... As much as our young adults can tell us what they want and do understand as much as they can, there are some things that they don't. And so we need to be able to step in and say, hey, you know, no, not that, but this, as so, the book says. So you're saying, that, I mean, one of the challenges is they, they know things, but they, the comprehension mm -hmm. is not there. And so that's a challenge of the aging into adulthood. When they're a child, you're saying no, mm -hmm. saying no. But when the 18 comes around, no doesn't work. Well, probably doesn't work at 16 either, right? But the power of attorney allows the, the parent or even the family member to step in with the guidance that's necessary legally right mm -hmm. rather than taking all the independence away as a as a legal guardian you were mentioning the care team that's another thing that is is super important uh, one of the things that i've been doing a lot of studying on recently is this whole person-centered care team thing is that you get people who you want involved in helping you set up it's almost like your young adult is the corporation and you are the board of directors for better for lack mm -hmm. of a better word 
It can be mom, dad, it can be grandma, grandpa, it could be the preacher down the street, it could be the rabbi, it can be anybody that you want. They could have worked at Quick Trip and it could be their manager. And you all get together and you all talk, but you don't talk at him or her, you don't talk about him or her, but you talk to him or her and you get information from them what they want for their lives. And you're there to help facilitate that. And that goes back to that whole, I think of it as a circle around that protection, mm -hmm. that protection around that human being that helps them become the best person that they can be and to have the best quality of life that they can have. Because maybe I don't go to my father for this information, but maybe I can go over here to the person that was my Sunday school teacher who can give me that information. So everyone has their strengths and they understand who they can go to and they build it together to build up this corporation of Mykini, you would, so that Mykini's can stop, goes up, and they can be the best corporation, the best person that they can be. And so that is one of those things that I, I'm all on people about them. Yeah, and the, the care team, the, the centric approach is very important. It's also very important to have those powers of attorney for that because um, what, what happens with the lawyer who, who is on the team is that there, there's comp, a confidentiality agreement. So we have to get a, a waiver of confidentiality by, by the adult with the disability. And everyone, thankfully, like your social work has um, confidentiality. Financial advisors have confidentiality agreements. Um, your CPAs and your lawyers all fall, the medical field all fall under these different confidentiality agreements. But the, the lawyer can only share what information the, the um, adult wants to be shared. And so the powers of attorney, though, are, very, are a very valuable instrument because it would allow a little bit of override in that area so that you can work efficiently with the with the care team with the person. <laughs> <laughs> so those are those are just two of the major issues that I see or two of the major things that parents can do without anything other in other than just having a time to just sit and think and talk with your young adult. You know, what are you thinking about? What do you want to do? You know, one thing that I learned, I'm the, I, I used to be head of the employment program at the Down Syndrome Association. I'm moving more into adult services now. And the one thing I learned when I first did my first employment academy class was that people don't ask young adults or well, kids with a disability what you want to be when you grow up. I don't care what your disability is, they, they just don't do it. And I found out that the teachers don't ask kids with Down syndrome, what do you want to be? I don't know why they don't do it, but they don't. Because I found out, I, I asked um, a 21-year-old, I said, so what did you think you wanted to be when you were little? And he looked at me, and he, he just kind of tears got in his eye. That's why are you crying? Did I say something that hurt your feelings? He said, nobody ever asked me that. I said, no. I said, oh, I teach right. No, nobody ever asked me. And so I had a class that, that semester, I had a class of 14 people. So I just asked them, raise your hand. 
How many people have ever been asked what you want to be when you grow up? Grow up? And so one little boy, one young man raised, raised his hand. He said, my father always told me what I was going to be when I grow up. He didn't ask me, but he told me. So I, so we got through that, but that, that part was a little funny. But I said all that to say that we have to start again with the young adult, with the child as the center, with the child finding out, just ask them. I don't care what they say. If they say they want to be an astronaut and you know they're not going to be an astronaut, that's fine. But at least let them explore some things in their heads because that's how they begin to think about what the future is all about. If we keep them children, then they'll just be children. So McKinney, do you find um, as as the 16-year-old, 17-year-old is getting ready to, to become the adult, um, what what do you think you see as the struggle for the parent? Letting, letting them become a 17 or an 18 year old. We want, we want our children to be the child that we all know and love because it's easier to deal with the child that we know and love than to see this young person growing up and we know what the world is and we know that it's not a pretty place sometimes. And so if you're still a child, then I can, I can hug and I can protect you and I can keep you close and it's okay. But when we start talking about, oh, well, you want to live somewhere else and you want to be able to work somewhere and do something that's outside of my protection, that's a scary thing for parents. And we know, again, we know that the world is not, can be not a nice place to those of us that don't have an intellectual disability. So we know sometimes people can be just straight up mean, and we don't want that for our folks. So, and that's not to say it's a, that parents should be, you know, blamed for wanting to keep their child, their children protected, because that's what we're here for. Mm -hmm. We're supposed to be able to protect, but we're supposed to be able to do it, you know, let's kind of, you know, little bit by little bit, same thing that we would do with our children who do not have an intellectual disability or cognitive disability. We want to give them a little bit, a little bit, a little bit, as far as they can go. Let's see how far they can go. That's the thing that I think guardianship didn't do back years ago. It didn't give you anything. It just took away everything from the person whereas this will give a little bit more. But I would say that that's it more than anything is that we know as parents what the world can be like and we want to protect them as much as we can to a fault sometimes. Mm -hmm. yeah. Any questions for me? What, what about resources? You know, like, this goes to, they don't publish new laws. <laughs> I mean, they probably, there's probably no list of, of Services, uh, benefits, yes. or anything. I mean, yes, there is. So that's what I'm wanting. I mean, no idea where to go to look for these things. So through the, the through the DSA, there is now um, just a Google. It's called the. Um, it's going to be renamed. First, it was named the Aging Kit, but we looked through it, and these are resources for everyone. Okay. So it's going to go live. 
first part of March. Excellent. So right. you will get an email saying that's, that it is. That's uh, great. And it's got all sorts of resources all the way from benefits to resident mm -hmm. residential. All right. So, and everything in oh, between. Oh, that's, that's incredible. Mm -hmm. all right. And the ARC has a lot. The uh, ARC has a lot of resources as well. Um, There's St. Louis ARC, Missouri, Missouri ARC, Illinois. Yeah. Illinois. Oh, no, 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 a lot of a lot of good information that's on the DSA's website as well as on the ARC's website, Paraquad, uh, the Center for Head Injury. They and I know it's Center for Head Injury because they have a lot of things. And we get our resources where we get our resources from, you know. So yeah. there's also a, a parent group uh, on Facebook. Hi, um, now I can't remember, but it is parent, uh, specifically for parents with children with disabilities and, and also aging into adulthood. And I try to find, I see it, I'll pass it on oh, to good. see have Please. that link. Mm -hmm. But there are different parent groups if you're a Facebook, social media person yeah. out there to help. Yeah. Any other? Well, just so you know, um, the Down Syndrome Association, one thing that just really attracts me to them, so they're, they're my... Um, my charity, so my firm gives to them. They have businesses where where the adults and young people work, and it's it's just wonderful um, to see. So um, I think do you still have the crayon? The um, the crayon, yes. Okay. Yes, the so there, um, about three years ago, the Down Syndrome Association decided that in addition to having an employment academy, they decided that there would be um, some sort of business that people needed to be able to go into before they went into competitive employment. One of those is called the Pop-Up Snack Shop. And the Pop-Up Snack Shop is a micro-business that was started so that young adults can do just that practice uh, their customer service skills, learn more about money, learn more about the business side. So when it was started, the young adults were supposed to learn how to set up the business, which they did. They buy the snacks, they package the snacks, and they go out and they sell the snacks. Since they started uh, three years ago, they've made close to, I think it's $20,000 that they made just going out. The young adults go out. Uh, it has been probably three to four times a month to different businesses. Businesses as large as Stiefel downtown and Enterprise, all the way down to uh, our, the small business that does the printing for the DSA. They have 75, um, they have 75 employees in Stiefel. We, when we go there, we see at least about 600 employees. And they take and they sell the uh, sell the snacks, and they have three different types of snacks that they send, snack packs that they send out. And so, started out very very small at one. Um, it was an insurance company, and now the, they have at least 25 places that they can go now to do it. During this whole time, uh, in meeting people met a woman who did crayons, 
of all things, she made these crayons out of old crayons, recycling crayons, I guess you would call it. So she would uh, take the crayons from all these schools and she would melt these crayons down and put them into molds. And she made things like Star Wars uh, crayons and minions and Newton and all sorts of kind of things. So they sell those now as well. So this is becoming not only a pop-up snack shop, but is now pop-up snack shop and crafts. So they are learning there. Right now there are 19 young adults that are uh, employed by the pop-up snack shop. The DSA also employs one young woman who comes in twice a week and works at the DSA, and she is uh, one of the ambassadors for the DSA. So. And everybody makes money. The people at the pop-up snack shop make ten dollars an hour. You also see, um, you know, where some where the adults um, are also getting jobs. Like uh, I remember the the uh, young man in Mozingo, mm -hmm. who's really into music, and you can catch his music performance <laughs> times on Facebook through through the website. But it just gives you a hope as they transition to adulthood. That, that you are seeing um, people with intellectual disabilities who can function very well in society and, and have, a, have that community. So, you know, it brings me back again to thinking about when you're, when you're looking at the child aging into this adult, this young adult, and you know that, that the person is going to live to 35, to 45, even, even to age 50 and older, yeah. that, the guardianship conservatorship may not be the, the best the best solution to have in place. I have one last story, and I'm not going to tell you more. Yeah. Um, there's one young woman who is 32, 32, and her mother thought that she would never get a job. She has dual diagnosis. She has autism, and she has uh, Down syndrome. And we were given an opportunity to go to one of the local banks in St. Louis, they have this partnership with different organizations throughout the country, and so they chose the Down Syndrome Association here in St. Louis to give job, well, to open an opportunity for people to have jobs. So we went down, and they met this young woman, and she is, for the most part, she is pretty rough, and she's, everybody, when you get to know her, she, you take it to your heart, but you would think, hmm, no, she probably wouldn't work out. So, but what we did find out, her autism as well as her Down syndrome, for some reason, she has OCD. And what they wanted her to do was to be able to find things that were wrong at this particular, in her, the department that she was in. And she was able to do it, and she was able to do it very fast. And she was, just in the interview, the day that we went, she did it with like a 90%. She did it with 90% correctly. So she went, eventually she got the job, everything was fine. So about three months ago, I got a call saying, need you to call me back because I need to talk to you about this. So I was like, oh Lord, what's going on? So I called him back and she said, well, her department is getting ready to be computerized. And I thought, oh, God, that means she's going to lose. She said, nope, mm -hmm. we're keeping her. Mm -hmm. We're going to find something else for her to do. 
I told her mother about it and the mother just cried because she thought, well, she had heard that the department was going to go away. So they thought, well, she would no longer have a job. They said, nope, as long as she wants a job, she has a job. That's why I say never, ever sell anybody short. So I want to uh, thank McKinney with the Down Syndrome Association of Greater St. Louis for giving us some stories, real life examples of the life issues that parents see as well as the young adult transitioning into adulthood with this intellectual disability and also touching on care teams and putting in place these powers of attorney that both benefit the young adult with the disability and also the parent as their young child transitions into adulthood and can step into these very adult roles and we need to be able to uh, protect them but also allow them to become the adult that they the full adult that they are able to become so I want to thank you for listening to our podcast. Uh, it was a live uh, audience session where we had parents come in and we discussed these legal and life issues, particularly looking at powers of attorney, medical and uh, financial, to consider um, versus that uh, going to court and having legal guardianship and conservatorship, but also thinking about which, which avenue is best for you, for your child transitioning into adulthood, and also um, looking at this uh, young person going into the adulthood with a cognitive disability and letting that, that child also participate in the adult decisions as much as he or she is able and working with an attorney who is experienced um, working with families and uh, parents who have these children with disabilities transitioning into adulthood. So again, thank you for listening and uh, also thank you McKinney with the Down Syndrome Association of Greater St. Louis. And if you have any questions, you can uh, contact Tucker Legal Services at 314-332-0011 or visit the website tuckerlegal-llc.com for more information on powers of attorney and working with your child transitioning into adulthood with a disability. Thank you and have a good day.